Okay, that's Christmas story. Now, for how many of you, that's in your top three favorite Christmas movies? Few of you out there, yeah, that, that movie's almost like a, a cult Christmas classic. And uh, if you know the story, if you've seen it, you know it's about Ralphie there and his pursuit, his desire uh, of this Red Ryder BB gun and in his memory as he's going back and recounting that. Clearly, he's showing that, that tendency to let an entire Christmas be defined by a gift. And, you know, if you think about it, it is easy, even when we don't want it to be that way, especially when we're, you know, sitting in church. But it is very easy to let Christmas be defined by a gift. I mean, I know I look back over Christmases and and some of those that stand out to me, it's because of a gift. I I remember the Christmas of 78. I, I got a Nash skateboard. I got a stereo, and, and you kids should have seen it. There were, were these big black objects that went around and around, and there was a needle that made the music come out. It was phenomenal. Uh, I got a stereo, a fishing rod, and it's just like my parents went nuts that year. I had all kinds of gifts. I remember that Christmas because of the gifts. I heard my, you heard my youngest, Randy, the other day talking about his favorite Christmas, and guess what it was related to? A gift. It's easy for that to happen. Now, you know, there's a part of us, I guess, that kind of, we kind of grimace at that because we don't want we don't want Christmas to be about a gift. We don't want it to be about materialism and greed. We know it's supposed to be about Jesus and God and the celebration of his coming into the world. And, if, you know, we include in that family and traditions and a variety of things. And we want the gifts to kind of be way down there at the at the end of the row. But, you know, if you think about it, it was it was God who made Christmas all about a gift. Now, in that statement, I'm not promoting materialism rush to the mall. Okay, but it is God who let Christmas be defined by a gift. It was God who made Christmas about a gift. He gave the first gift. He gave the greatest gift, the gift of his son, Jesus. And what was the response to that? We saw three wise men come and what did they bring? Gifts. They brought expensive gifts, not not only the expense of what they gave, but look at the expense of the the time and the energy and probably the cost to deliver those gifts. So, folks, God has made Christmas all about a gift. And that is so clearly seen in maybe one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible, John 3, 16. One simple little verse. Let's look at that on the screen. If you want, you can turn in your Bible to it. No, not that. Not that John 3, 16. Uh, he's in prison anyway. Um, he, re- he really is actually in prison. Apparently he had a knack for wanting attention and decided maybe John three sixteen and a bomb would be effective for getting attention. So he's in prison now holding his sign. Absolutely irrelevant to everything I'm talking about this morning. So let's go to the real John three sixteen. There, what? Nope, that's not it either. You're not trying to make me look like that rainbow guy, are you? John 3, there we go. For God loved the world in this way. I like the way that says, a lot of times we're used to quoting that. It says, for God so loved the world. I like the way the Holman Christian, uh, the Bible that we use there in the, in the chair says this. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Folks, the gift very simply stated is this. Through the gift of Christ, you can live forever in heaven with God. Now, you're going to live forever. The other option is hell. And that's why in John 3, 16, it makes that reference to perishing. 
I've been using this as a part of my invitation each, each night after the, the pageant. And you know, I think when we look at John 3.16, what stands out to us, we, we tend to hold on to some great words in that passage like God and love and believe and eternal life. But, but I think we tend to run right by that word perishing. Because there's really an extremely significant statement being made there. It's saying if you don't possess the gift... You're perishing. I wonder how many people consider themselves to be perishing. And the Bible goes into a great amount of detail of just all that this perishing means, what this perishing looks like. I want you to to see some of the words that Scripture uses in the verses that go with them. Let's look and see how the Bible describes perishing. Look at some of these words. If you're perishing, if you've not received the gift of Christ, you're lost. I don't feel lost. No, you're lost. That's what God says about your life. You are without hope. You're dead in sin. You're a child of wrath. You're a slave to sin. And look at this next one. There's that word again, but now it's actually referring to people as a class of people. If you don't possess the gift, you are the perishing. Folks, this is talking about most of the world. Most of the world has not received the gift. They are a part of a class of people called the perishing. And why are they the perishing? Look at their future. Anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. We've studied that recently, haven't we? We know if you're the perishing, who you're going to be keeping company with in the lake of fire. Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Folks, this is how the Bible describes people who are perishing. Now, that's some pretty awful descriptions, aren't they? You think, boy, the the perishing must just look miserable. You you think maybe maybe we can point them out, because perishing sounds like an awful thing, doesn't it? But you know, interestingly enough, you... You can't look at anybody and tell who's perishing. As a matter of fact, the perishing can be rich or poor. The the, the perishing can be smart or stupid. The perishing can be fat or thin. The perishing can be beautiful or ugly. The perishing can be hardworking or lazy. The, The perishing can be popular. The perishing can be unpopular. The perishing can be applauded by the world, lifted up by the world, and the perishing can be absolutely ignored by the world. You you see what I'm saying, folks? It really is utterly irrelevant how you see yourself, how you describe yourself, how the world sees you, how the world describes you. doesn't matter how you're described or your environment or what you feel. In the eyes of God, without the gift, you're perishing. And you just saw all that that entails. Now, that's not what God wants for you. There's so many outside the church, maybe unfortunately so many inside the church, that see God as this really angry person and, and He's just waiting for you to mess up. He's just waiting for you to trip so He can finally get you and toss you into hell. Man, you know what? There is absolutely nothing like that in Scripture. As a matter of fact, look what God says. This is God speaking in Ezekiel 18. I take no pleasure in anyone's death. Now think about that. I mean, you know, if you and I are honest, there's a few people who say, well, that's okay if we never see them again. 
Do you realize God says nobody, nobody, nobody ever born on this planet. Now think about who all that entails. God has never looked at a single person and said, I'm glad they're dead. Man, I've been waiting to get them into hell. No, I take no pleasure in that. And notice what it says. So repent and live. Now, if you've died, you can't repent and live, can you? You see, when it says, I take no pleasure in anyone's death, the death being referred to there is a lot bigger than, than the funeral and the whole casket and that business. No, this is talking about the eternal death. The separation from God for all eternity. God says, I take no pleasure in seeing that punishment come upon anybody's life. Look at 2 Peter 3. But God is patient with you. Not There's that word. Not wanting any to perish. God doesn't want to see a single person in that class of people. God doesn't want to see anybody perish. Now, He would be just. He'd be right. You know how we always want things to be fair? Folks, don't ever stand before God and say that's not fair. Okay? Because what would be fair, what would be just, what would be right is for God to let us perish. We have rebelled and broken His law on multiple points. More than you can count any life in this room. We have rejected God. We don't acknowledge God. We take credit for what He did. I mean, folks, we've done nothing that, that would move or inspire or obligate God to come make this gift available to us. Nothing. As a matter of fact, what we have done is done much that should inspire Him to say, ah, let him, let him perish. That's not what He did. No, the Bible says that God is rich. He's rich in mercy. And He is rich in grace. The Bible says that God is extravagant in His love. And in that extravagance, He went and purchased the most expensive gift ever purchased the gift of Jesus Christ. And folks, when you and I receive this gift, when we open this box, man, you talk about the gift that just keeps on giving. You talk, of, I mean, folks, when you open up this gift, there is just so much that comes pouring out of this box. There's so much that comes pouring into our lives. I started jotting down things that come when you receive the gift of Christ. Folks, it took me a few seconds to do this. This is no, by no stretch of the imagination an exhaustive, well-researched and studied list. This is just a few things real quickly that comes with the gift of Christ. Number one, the forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present and future. Number two, because we are the perishing we are rescued from the perishing we're rescued from the kingdom of sin darkness and satan and we are brought into the kingdom of god we become citizens of heaven now think about that i can do things to become a, a citizen of another country i have to renounce this country and go over there and apply and and do certain things you can't do anything to get a passport in heaven there's nothing you can do that you can make yourself a citizen. Remember that great city that we looked at? You can't do anything. But God, with the gift of Christ, does that for you. We are adopted. Man, what a precious, loving word. We are adopted by God the Father to become His child. We will be resurrected and receive a glorious new body. We must we have the promise that nothing will ever separate us from God. We are loved. 
You are loved with the gift of Christ. We become co-heirs with Christ. You remember last week we talked about Christ being the heir of God? And because we've been adopted, I'm now put in a position where I'm a co-heir with Him. Folks, that is amazing. You realize as I stand there with God, I've done nothing to deserve that or to earn that. I can't imagine the human being who says, well, I did this and this and this and this, so I deserve to stand right here next to Christ as the inheritance is handed out. Who can possibly think that way? But that's what comes with the gift of Christ. We do get that gift. We are declared righteous and we now have access to His presence, His guidance, and His help. This is an incredible gift, isn't it? Folks, not an exhaustive list. That, that's not everything. This gift just keeps giving and providing and giving and providing. You know, folks, this gift right here, it does a whole lot more than define a Christmas, doesn't it? See, this gift defines life. This gift defines you. Ultimately, your life is going to be defined by what you have done with this gift. Well, let's think for just a moment about what people do with this gift. Now, obviously, there's two things. You either reject it or receive it. But, you know, we can reject the gift because of pride. I, I don't need that. I, I'm good enough. Or I can figure this out. I'll, I'll pick out a God. I'll pick out a religion. I'll pick out a way. I, I, I'm, I'm okay and I can handle this. Now, the problem with that attitude is it flies in the face of God who said, no, you're not. And no, you can't. But people do. They reject because of pride. Some, and watch this, same gift. You got a group of people that reject because of pride, but then you can flip it right over and you got a group of people that reject out of shame. I, mean, I can't imagine that I could be loved. I can't imagine that I could be forgiven. I can't imagine that I could get a gift like this when I consider who I am, what I've done, where I've been. God, there's just no possible way that somebody could love me like that. Now, you know, if you think about it... I, that almost sounds very humble, doesn't it? But if you reject the gift, you're still a part of the perishing. That's not humility points. You've got to accept the gift, which ultimately means you've got to stop trusting in yourself to clean up life. You've got to stop trusting in yourself to be good enough. And you've got to trust in that love and that grace and that forgiveness of God. You know, we think about trusting in that when we're being saved, right? But I found... It never stops being about trusting in God's love and God's forgiveness. Not just the day we're saved, but the day after and the month after and years after we are going back and depending upon having confidence in relying in that grace. Some reject out of ignorance. Now, there's, gosh, a ton of ways we could explain this. I'm going to kind of sum it up and say this. People who reject out of ignorance are just pretty much absorbed with this life and what this life offers, whether it's this life offering religion or, or whether it's this life offering the stuff of life. These people can't look beyond themselves, can't look into eternity because they're, they're consumed with what's right in front of them, what they can touch and feel and see today. Now we've got people who receive the gift, but you've got people who receive the gift and do nothing with it. Right? You know what I'm talking about? You're going to get something this year that's going right back to the store. You're going to get something. You're going to open it. And you're going to say thank you. And you're going to paste the big smile on and it's going at the top of the closet never to see the, day, the light of day again. 
Some of you will re-gift. Yeah. You know, we do the exact same thing with Christ. Some receive Christ, but then do nothing with that gift. Now, that kind of raises a question. Is that person really saved? Or are they not saved? And the answer is yes. It's both. I, I think there are some who, by all appearances, certainly, I mean, if, if it's a family member, a friend, by, by all appearances, as we watch them, that they look to open the gift, they look to receive the gift of Christ, but, I mean, almost immediately it's sat down and walked away from. And, and you never really see any involvement, any absorption of this gift into life. Probably in most cases, that's somebody who was not genuinely saved. There was something going on in that moment, some kind of event that happened there that, that gave all those appearances, but probably not really saved. You, you do have, I think, people who can receive the gift, and, and then for a variety of reasons, more than we can go through this morning, they kind of remain distant from the gift. They remain distant from following after Christ. They remain immature in that relationship with a lot of different reasons. They're genuinely saved. But maybe we would say, and I don't think this is a good biblical word, but we might say in our human sense, they're barely saved. You know, when I say that word, barely saved, you know what, there's people in this room right now who said, boy, that's me. I, I, I'm probably in that barely saved category. Let me tell you something about that. And I want, I want to challenge you to think about this just for a second. If you know you're in the barely saved category. And, and you're comfortable with that. Now, what do I mean by comfortable? Uh, you know, yeah, you come to church. You know, you think, man, I need to do better. Man, I need to do more. Man, I, you know, I know that's not what. And, you know, but the bottom line is you get over it. And, and tomorrow morning you go on with the week business as usual. Nothing ever changes. If you're in that barely saved category and you're comfortable, you're not saved. Wow, can you say that? Well, I mean, ultimately, I really can't. That'll be between you and the Lord. But I can't imagine that somebody actually handles the love of God. They really interact with his forgiveness and then knowingly and willingly set it down and, and choose, choose to remain following Christ at a distance. Choose to remain very immature in that relationship. If you can make that choice, I just can't help but believe you really have not interacted with that love. You really have not interacted with that forgiveness. You may look very religious. Of course, there's going to be people who think you love, your, you love, the, love the gift you gave them, right? But it's not real. We do the same thing with God. We receive, but we, we don't use it. Now, then there's the, another class, right? That's the group of people that receive and use and enjoy the gift. Isn't that great? You know, I'm a father. I'm going to give gifts. A lot of you are parents, or you're going to give gifts to friends or loved ones. I tell you, when you go out and get that gift, and I'm going to be honest with you, I find no real joy in going to get the gift. Do you? I mean, come on. I, you know, well, online's easy. I don't even find any joy in doing it online. I don't get a whole lot of joy out of going to get it. But yeah, the giving, the, the actual handing the gift and, and seeing them open and their eyes and their face and, 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 and not only the appreciation, but then even seeing them use the gift. Isn't that the real excitement? 
When you've given something and then you stand back and you watch them enjoying it and using it and getting benefit out of it, that's what feels good. Well, guess what, folks? God's the same way. He's a father. We're His children. He's given a gift. You think the gift's precious to you? Folks, I'm pretty sure the gift is precious to God. It's His Son. That gift is very precious to Him. And when He gives you and I that gift, and He sees us open it and get excited about it, and not only be thankful for it, but then begin to experience and enjoy and live in that gift, man, that puts a smile on the face of the giver. Man, I can't pay back the gift. I'll never earn or deserve the gift. I sure would like to put put a smile on the face of the giver. For God so loved you. He gave a gift. And that gift will define your life. What have you done with the gift? You've either received it or you haven't. There's no in between. You don't kind of have a gift. And if you've received it. What are you doing with it? Is it in the closet? It's there you have it but no real use. Or are you living and growing in that walk with Christ? It's all about a gift. Let's pray. Father, I can. uh, I can hardly imagine with you being the ultimate gift giver, what it's like as you look down from heaven into our homes. And you'll see us get such great joy and excitement out of some stuff. Or or on the other hand, you'll see us be very disappointed Because it's not the stuff we wanted. And maybe God for too many of us. We never show any of this kind of passion or emotion. When we consider the gift of Christ. Lord I would pray. For every person in this room right now. Your discernment. May we have your mind and your wisdom. In this moment right here to be still and look within. To evaluate whether we really have received the gift or not. Lord, if we're perishing. In your kindness, in your gentleness, in your patience, would you whisper in their ear? You're perishing. And let them know, God, that you've got a gift for them. That will rescue them from that. Father, many of us in this room have been rescued from that. We've received that gift. But God, with that same discernment, would we look within? Would we just consider just for a moment? What am I doing with the gift of Christ? What am I doing with the gift of Christ? God, we want to put a smile on your face. You are a wonderful giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.